Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Oh, it's so good to be talking with you today because you know today is a very special day. This is Valentine's. And so for all of you that love someone or just love yourself, I think that's a great way to start today and to enjoy who you are. I want to tell you about my guest today because this is so, I think it's so perfect for Valentine's that Debbie Johnson is with us today. Now, Debbie is from Vermont and a graduate of Phillips Exeter Academy and the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Debbie is the president of a vitamin supplement company that provides an alternative for the pain of neuropathy, a nerve disorder. And she'll be telling us more about that as we go into our show today. Her background is diverse from working as a paralegal and a bank branch manager to being a U.S. Air Force officer serving as an intelligence officer at the Pentagon, the Defense Intelligence Agency, and in Wiesbaden, Germany. I think it's Wiesbaden, is it? Well, Debbie is very accomplished. And as you hear her story today, you're going to be almost baffled that she could have been taken advantage of like she did, was, But she is a strong woman, a courage, and a willingness to tell the story, where we often try to keep things that take from us, hide them, as if we're afraid to admit we could have been taken advantage of. So Debbie took that situation and created a mission for herself with an awesome book that needs to be read by every man and woman that enter the dating scene of the new scene of Internet dating. The woman behind the smile, she shares her personal experience with a love that turned into betrayal and financial disaster, and she removes the mask of shame and shows others how how to do the same. Many of us, and I'm one of those as well, have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, something that we keep hidden and that in turn keeps us hidden from ourselves, each other, and the world. So welcome with me today, Debbie 
Montgomery Johnson, and she's going to tell us the most awesome story about her personal life. Debbie, are you out there? I am, Joyce. Thanks for having me this morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm so happy that you're here and that we're telling this story today because today we think of love and we, if we are a single woman, we keep, our heart kind of pines for love in the past. Um, So it's really fitting that we're doing this program today. Well, I'm terribly excited to be here. So tell me about your life and how it transitioned after the death of your husband, which was a surprise in itself, right? Well, it was. Um, I had worked all my life, and I'd, for years I'd been a stay-at-home mom, and I was just an integral part of the family. And and uh, Lou and I had been married 25 years uh, at the uh, I, I had gone back to work as a as a bank manager for a while, and then um, it got very stressful, as retail banking can get, and okay. I transitioned into working as a treasurer in an elementary school. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. the job was something that was very easy for me, but I needed benefits. I needed medical benefits because Lou had started a company called BenfoTMing.net, and he ran it out of the home. It's an Internet company, but we didn't mm-hmm. have any medical benefits. So I went well, back to work. Yeah. With that, while he ran the company and basically provided for for the family from that. Um, and one day I was at a meeting uh, with the school board, and I went on a break and saw mm-hmm. that I had missed 10 phone calls. Uh, oh. And I never get phone calls at, at mm-hmm. meetings like that. And I listened to the very first one, and I called this the call. It's the call that changed my life. And it was a call from my oldest son who said very succinctly, Mom, Dad died. I'm coming home oh. to take care of everything. And that, okay. that phone call changed my life um, mm-hmm. in a profound way, as you can imagine. Right. Um, yeah. Because here I am now. You know, I was working, but I was not the care provider, the sole provider for the family. And I have four children. The youngest at that time was uh, 15, and mm-hmm. he was still at home. Um, so that, that changed the trajectory of my life and threw me mm-hmm. into running a company, which I knew nothing about. Um, I can't imagine. Yes, <laughs> I cannot was, imagine. Thank goodness Lou was very good with his customers and his uh, suppliers, and uh, they I, they worked with me. I, I made a lot of phone calls and said, I've got to keep this going. It had, our vitamin supplement helps a lot of people uh, that have diabetes and neuropathy, and I said, I can't let this stop. So really, mm-hmm. I prayed to God and said, help me with this one, and I would talk to Lou all the time and say, you gotta, you got to get me through this. you got to kind of trade me because <laughs> – he did not provide a a continuity plan. Basically, he right. He had it all in his mind, and right. so it was an interesting adventure to to jump in and take over a company uh, and to do it as well as I could. And um, yeah. thank goodness I had my father to help me out. My dad's a retired dentist, and uh, he is the Doctor Jack of our company. Um, oh, and he and my mom were right there with me uh, through every step. Um, and Dad still works for me today. He answers our phone calls. It's really quite fun for him and for me. Uh-huh. So it's kind of turned into a family business almost, hasn't it? it, it Everybody's is a got a business. hand in it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a family business, and it's something. And I try to treat our customers like their family. That's, that's just the way uh-huh. we are. We bring them in. It, uh-huh. it becomes part of our family, and I want to take care of them. Uh, so it was, it was an interesting thing to do. And... It was very overwhelming for me because I didn't know enough about the company that I had to 
to work very hard at it. And for the first year and a half after Lou died, I was working my, my job at the school board from seven in the morning until six or seven until about one in the afternoon. And then I would go swimming and I would swim every day. And I would mm. come home, be home about two thirty, and I'd work from two thirty until after midnight at night because it was the first time in twenty six years that I'd slept by myself. And yeah. I hated to go. To, I hated to go to bed at night. I just right. I was I was sad and lonely. And um, right. So I was busy, but I was I was missing something in my life. And, yeah. How many years had you been together? Twenty. We had been together twenty seven. We'd been married twenty. Almost 26. He died right before our 26th anniversary. Yeah. So, I've been with time. him longer than I've been with my, my parents by myself, you know. It's true. So, it yeah. was, it was a, and, and with only one son here at the home, my other three kids flew in and then left. Um, mm. Matt was very involved in football and in school. And he, mm. at 15, 16 years old, he didn't want mom to be terribly involved in his life, although right. I was his only parent. And that was a challenge in itself is how, to, how do you take a 16-year-old young man who really needs his father uh, and try to raise him as a mom mm. and a dad. And it didn't work out as well as I would like, although he's a wonderful young man. Mm. Um, any kid's going to have an issue, but um, I'm, you know, I could have, should have, would have myself to death on things that I, I could have done with Matt. Um, <laughs> Sounds like was, the mother gang going on there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's such a challenge because you wonder, did I do it right? Did I not? Should I have? Should he have had a job or was school his job? And uh, he's 22 now, so I've had a lot of years to, to look back on that. <laughs> But anyway, he's turning out okay, and the other kids are doing great. And uh, and so we we all had to move on. We had to make what was happening our new normal. And that's a challenge because I'm the kind of person where if it's not broke, don't fix it. Mm. And to make challenge, to make changes to what Lou had done was very difficult to me because I figured he was brilliant. And the way he set it up must have been good. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I've realized that some of those things were good for back then, but they're not good for today. Right. And I had to be willing to, to go on faith and make some changes to the business and to my personal life. And that's scary. <laughs> it's very scary sometimes. Yeah, so he died in 2010? 2010, April 2010. April 2010. So you've had seven years of um, building your skills as the um, president of this company. So, yeah. I have, and we've yeah. taken some changes, made, taken some challenges, and we've made some changes. I've created a new website, and I've kind of updated things, and I've gotten involved in some women's organizations, women business organizations, so that mm. I found being an entrepreneur at home, I was so laser-focused on what I was doing in front of my computer that I couldn't see the big picture. And uh, you need team. Yeah. You need people around you to say, hey, you know, there's a better way to do that, or mm-hmm. you might look into this. And and I I realize I'm, I'm a smart woman, but there are skill sets in my life that I'm not very good at. And uh, some of the analytics of the Internet, you know, that's way beyond me. So I've had to bring right. people in. And, uh, and yes. there's, you know, you've got to be careful who you deal with in business mm-hmm. and in person because a lot of people take advantage of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounding board is so important, I think, when you're doing a business. You need, you need 
coaching, of course, I'm a big fan of coaching coming from my business world that I'm in, which is coaching and speaking and, and the radio show. And, and so, um, I think you've got to have those soundboards to actually give you a, another view, um, um, look at this maybe a different way. Uh, it's just real important to help build your skills and also help you grow. I mean, you know, and you that's open. true. And I told, and I tell that to my kids too. I said, especially the youngest, I said, you don't have to learn everything for yourself. Okay. Wisdom right. comes from watching other people and listening to other people. And, and I had to do that with the company. And I, I would literally call customers or I would call some of our big wholesale people and say, how did Lou do this? How can I better serve you by doing it differently or doing it the same way? Or um, It was a challenge for me, but it, it has really made me grow as a person to realize that there's help out there and people are willing to give you the help if you just ask for it. Well, yeah. right there you said something that if nobody walks away with anything else today, it's just that asking is very important. And it doesn't show that you're weaker or you're less knowledgeable. It just shows that you're willing to grow, in my opinion. I've never thought exactly. of it. Yeah. So well, it the just other thing says, I think you and I have talked about, too, is that we're such giving people. We're just givers. And mm-hmm. sometimes you need to learn how to receive. And that was a difficult thing for me, um, especially after Lou died, because people just bombarded us with food and flowers and cards and oh. visits. And, and, and afterwards, I was just like, you know what? I, I just want to be self-sufficient. I just want to do this on my own. But mm-hmm. on your own, you're, you're lonely sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I realized that by not allowing people to give to me and to be a gracious receiver, I was denying them the blessings of giving. Right. And I didn't want to do that because I know how it makes right. me feel when, when I give. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, you talk about the book, <clears throat> which we're really excited about today to <laughs> share with with the audience. But the book talks about a situation that when we find ourselves single again, whether it's through divorce, whether it's through death, um, we we become lonely. And it could be just a fact of life. We move into a new place. We've always been single, but then all we find ourselves alone. And what we tend to do is reach out. And there's so many new ways of reaching out. Um, you know, women usually don't like to go to the bars and do that scene. And it seems to be a little more safer, we think, to go to internet dating. And that's where your story, you talk about your story about the ultimate betrayal that you experienced through the internet. So tell us about that. Well, this is Valentine's Day, and I'm a huge proponent of love and things that are flowers and candy and roses. Um, Yep. And that's what, again, I, I dipped into online dating because, for me, again, it was safe. I had been mm-hmm. with my husband for a long time, and I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't go to bars and things. And so, mm-hmm. like you said, going out to those bars was not going to be my, my uh, <laughs> method of choice for dating. Um, I also didn't really like dating when I was 16, so to do it at 52 was very, yeah. it was an anxiety, you know, buster for me, kicker for me, because it was, I didn't know how to do it. But I very, yeah. I, I looked into, online dating sites that I thought might be safe 
Um, I talked to yeah. a lot of friends of mine. Some of them had found men that they'd married. And I'm like, yes. let me be safe. And I went out there, and I, I again, I tried to put on that perfect profile. I, I put the pictures of me. I was thinking, everybody's honest online. Well, <laughs> let me just put my put my life out there. And uh-huh. um, I got some, t- you know, some guys interested, and that was very mm-hmm. thrilling. It was, I mean, it was silly. It was almost like I was 13 again, and your little heart starts <laughs> pounding because someone's paying attention to you. But what I didn't have to go through was being um, compared to the pretty little neighbor that I had. You know, when we were kids, we had oh. those 16-year-olds with the long blonde hair and the beautiful skin and straight teeth. And, and right. in my mind, you know, we, keep, we revert back to those days where we were – things weren't right. And when I was a kid, I was an athlete, and I was a little bit heavier than I am now. And so I had anxiety about what I needed to look like and what I needed to sound like. And so by being online, that you're kind of anonymous, and people don't really see you because you're looking at the pictures that they put Mm. out there. And um, I had was in contact with a very nice gentleman who at the time was in Houston. He was mm-hmm. an international businessman and good-looking, you know, very compelling, mm-hmm. spoke well, educated. He was from London, mm-hmm. and uh, we started an <laughs> online little chit-chat for a while. And some days, we, you know, we, we were on the website, which was safe, and then he said, like, look, Deb, I travel a lot. You know, I can't get on the site all the time. Can we go on to Yahoo Chat? Well, I was very technically challenged then, and I said, what's that all about? So he got me on it, <laughs> and we could instant message each other at any time of the day or night, and we would get on and talk for hours. It was amazing. For me, it was right. the most amazing uh, a bit time to write. I love to write, and I was able to write everything out that I would not want to say in person. I uh-huh. get a little scared oh. to articulate in person. But uh, in writing, I can write to everything. Him. So, to him? To him. To him, I would write to him. I wrote to him about uh, about Lou dying, and I because his wife, he had lost his wife. You know, I talked to him about things that were um, that he could relate to uh, about mm-hmm. children. He had a ten year old, and he had a sister, and so for two years, two years, mm-hmm. Eric and I wrote every day um, for mm-hmm. hours and hours, and I talked to him uh, on the mm-hmm. phone, so I knew he had a British accent. Um, but I never did see him in person. He never actually got here because he was working a job in Malaysia. And, it, again, it was international business. I worked with international business. He was uh, involved in, in brokering hardwood trees. Um, I own trees in Costa Rica. So I kind of got what he was doing. Um, but things just, every time he was to finish the job up, something would happen over there. There would be a, a tariff or a problem with the immigrations or whatever. There was a, just a ton of problems, and, and things went back and forth. So, But for two years, we had this most amazing relationship uh, online, and he became wow. my life. He just two became my years. life. Two wow. years. Two years. Two years. But, again, it was, it was safe because I didn't have to deal with anybody in the house, <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. I remember yeah. one time when Lou, when Lou and I were talking, and, and he said, "Deb, if, if you know, if I if I die, I give you permission to uh, to get remarried again. Or I, I I want you to remarry again. I want you to be happy." And I'm like, "Why would I want to do that?" And he laughed. He goes, "Was it that bad?" <laughs> I said, "No, I just don't want to train anybody again." Right. And, uh, so, although I was lonely to have someone here physically with me, um, because I had Eric online all the time, uh, it, I, I was comforted. And, uh, yeah. again, it was just when I got to bed at night that I, I was by myself. Yeah. Um, 
Right. But this went on for two years, and and as a giver and as someone that is not attached to stuff, I got involved mm-hmm. in Eric's life. And when he asked uh, me to help him, I did, and I did in a variety of ways, and some of them turned out to be financial. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's if there's a takeaway here, girls, do not ever, ever send money to anybody mm-hmm. if you don't know them in person, if you haven't seen the whites mm-hmm. of their eyes, you know, they're basically those are the, those are the two. Um, mm-hmm. From my banking experience, I knew, and from my being a, you know, what I call the damn Yankee, I was very frugal, and I right. don't know why I was so willing to, to uh, help him out, help him financially. Right. Um, yeah. But I did, and when friends and family and people would say, don't do that, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I would just kind of dismiss it, and when my boys got on me, I'm like, you guys, I'm the adult. Mm. Let me do what I want to mm. do. And I stopped mm. talking to everybody about it. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. I should have listened well, to that. Well, you know, I, I think when you when you are working with the heart, we let our heart um, get the better of us, so to say, because we we trust. We are naturally trusters as well, and uh, we know this person that we're talking to has been vetted by the mm-hmm. by the dating service, right? We kind of assume they have been made honest. And so there's kind of this trust that we have that, you know, our family, they don't know him like we know him. So we just keep thinking he is the real thing. And uh, he feel he fills so many needs that we're needing, we're experiencing. So I, I totally get it. Yeah, I've been, I didn't send money, but I've been there. <laughs> so... Well, the most extraordinary thing for me is that it wasn't just me and Eric and our relationship. He had a son um, named Kenny, and and his sister was Mary. And and I would be instant Uh, messaging Kenny and Mary in London. At the same time, I'd be uh, messaging Eric in Malaysia. And I got involved with his attorney, Peter. And and so I would have three three, uh, windows open, and I'd I'd type really quickly. I'd be typing to all three of these guys at the same time in in what I thought they were, you know, in different parts of the world. And Mm -hmm. it was amazing how they became my family, even though I have a beautiful family here. um, Mm -hmm. I became part of their family. They became part of mine. And the dialogues we had were engaging and fun and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. silly and then very serious. Um, Mm -hmm. So well, did you ever find out, were they actually sitting in the same room with him? I have no idea. No idea. I have no idea. So this is you know, to kind of wrap, we, we've talked around this, but um, one morning, and it was almost two years after he and I had started our relationship, he came mm-hmm. online and he said, he wrote to me and he said, uh, how do you feel about forgiveness? And I'm a very spiritual person and my spiritual side just kicked right in and for hours I was writing to him about how I felt and, and this and that and the, you know things that happened in my lifetime and I had to forgive people and he goes how do you really feel and that's when you have to put your money where your mouth is yeah and um, and then we get disconnected we've been talking and you know, typing for a couple hours we get disconnected and he came back a little bit later and he said do you remember what I was talking to you about and I said yes mm-hmm. and he goes recap it so I did and uh, I said have I done something wrong? Why, why are you so, you know, obsessed with forgiveness today? He said, I have something I have to tell you. He said, I have a confession to make. 
And at mm. that point, my gut just just tightened up, and I've only had that happen once before in my life, and that was mm-hmm. an event I had with my husband years and years ago. And I just, I'm like, oh, my gosh, now it's going to happen. And that's when he came out, and he said, this has all been a scam. Oh, my and gosh, he used those words? He used those words. He goes, this has all been wow. a scam. And, mm-hmm. and at that point, I'm thinking, no, you're lying. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, where's my Eric? And I knew he'd been under a lot of duress. And I was thinking, why are you, are you trying to get me to, to break this off? Or why are you saying this to me? And uh-huh. I said, you have to prove it. You have to prove to me that this is a lie. And so he came and he goes, look on your Yahoo chat. There is a little camera in the corner of your screen, and I'm going to come on live. And at that mm-hmm. point here, I'd, for two years, he'd been telling me that there was no way we could, you know, do that. And again, mm-hmm. technically challenged. And uh, I went onto my computer and I, I did what he told me to do. And all of a sudden, you know, here in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, tall, dark, beautiful, handsome friend from London. And the screen pops up and I'm looking at this young man. He's probably been in his early 30s and he mm-hmm. was black and he's from Nigeria. And mm-hmm. I died. Instantly, mm-hmm. those two mm-hmm. years of a love affair with Eric Cole turned into someone else's story. Mm-hmm. And yeah. my intelligence, you know, I was an intelligence officer in the Air Force, and, and I, for some reason, I had my telephone there and I took a picture of his picture on my screen. So in my book, I actually have a picture of what he looks like. That was the mm-hmm. first time I'd ever seen him. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just, I was dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say, although at that point I was like, so now what do I do? Now how do I how right. get my money back? How do I do whatever? Mm. And the most amazing thing to me is that he goes, can we keep this going? And I'm looking mm. at him like, keep what going? <laughs> <laughs> he, I'm old enough to be your mother. <laughs> yeah, well, and then he goes, um, he, he said something about, you know, is it because I'm black? And I'm thinking... Well, maybe, but no, I said, you have lied to me for two years. You have taken money from me for two years. Why would I want to go on with that? And -hmm. it turns out he had fallen in love with me. He had fallen in love with me because I'm a good person, and he felt that he couldn't do it anymore. And I don't know if that's a lie or not, but it certainly made it better for me that the reason he confessed and he mm-hmm. could have walked away, and then I would have thought he had died. It would have been terrible. Um, yeah. The reason he confessed is because he felt a responsibility to me, and I think to God. He was like, Doug, I don't, you know, I need to do this. I can't do this and hurt you anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. I said, but don't hurt anybody else anymore. You know, right. I've done this before, and then I got him to talk about what he, why he was doing it. And mm-hmm. and I get it. And I've got friends that have, you know, done mission work in, in Nigeria, and they're like, the people over there are living in horrible conditions. And as right. Eric said to me, he said, there are no good jobs over here for us. And he mm-hmm. said, this is how we can make a living. And I'm like, but you have to stop. You are mm-hmm. taking advantage of people and their hearts. You are hurting people's hearts. Mm-hmm. And that's what hurt me the most, mm-hmm. is that he had deceived me and just ripped my heart out. It was worse than when my husband died because mm-hmm. I was part of it. I was part of it. Right. A willing part of it. Right. Um, well, and, you know, just some facts is that 
some of the, the, the whole industry is created and developing into a major, 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 major issue with the Internet world. Because, as you say, countries such as Nigeria, really poverty countries, oh, we are going to go to tunes, and when we come back, I'll share my wisdom with you. Okay. <laughs> so we'll be terrific. back. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Well, we are talking today with an awesome lady, Debbie Montgomery Johnson. And Debbie is on a mission because she was, after the death of her husband, sort of scammed, if you call it that. It is scamming. And it was on the date on the online dating scene where many of us women going through transition, it happens to men as well. It's the day, it's the time, it's the whole uh, where we are in our society now, where we live in such a wealthy, prosperous country that people from um, really struggling company countries like in Africa and other um, tropical islands where they have no money, they tend to look at us as having so many riches that they sort of justify um, living and taking advantage of people in this way. However, they suffer. They cause so much damage because it it also takes in, it challenges trust, love, um, all of those things that we find are basic um, parts of a relationship, and they create relationships. So when I was looking at Debbie's website, Debbie, you introduced a new word that I had not become aware of. I'd always thought of this word in a different light than you proposed <laughs> it on your website. It's catfished. I've been catfished. So what's that about? Oh, that's funny because that word has been around for a while. I hadn't really heard about it. There's actually even a TV show cat called Catfished, and that's where 
the uh, not you know we think of catfishing where you're going out fishing with a fishing pole. This yeah. is actually uh, where people take pictures. Say I've put a picture up on my Facebook page. They'll take mm-hmm. my picture and they will use that on a dating site and pretend to be someone else, which is mm-hmm. exactly what Eric did. He took a picture of who I I don't know the gentleman, um, but he was a good looking man, and he right. built a story around that man's pictures. Mm-hmm. and presented them to me and to the online dating world as he was being that person. Um, so they're out there, they're, they're truly deceiving the honest person by mm-hmm. putting someone out there that they think that we might um, be engaged with. And yeah, they're always, they're always handsome men Good or women, and they always men. have children. Which also yeah, because at our well, it was, it was funny. I was talking to someone about online dating, and they said you should have known it was a scam from the very beginning. Because first off, he could write; he was, you know, articulate. <laughs> and yeah. second, his pictures yeah. were good. Because yeah. when I first went online, I was looking at all these fifty to sixty year old men, and oh my gosh, they were sitting in what I call the wife beater t shirts. The little uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I call it. Um, they they were you know out drinking beer, and just they were not looking like they mm. wanted to be dating. Right. Educated mm-hmm. people. And when mm-hmm. Eric's picture showed up, it was he was very athletic and he was outdoors and his son was cute and his sister was a little, a little dog. And so he <laughs> built this whole personality around this family. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really I, wasn't Eric. It was Eric's. No, image. it was just a profile that they put up there and it mm-hmm. is all done all the time. And I, I I got a little upset with the with the online dating service, like why don't you vet these people? Well, they can't, but then their comeback is you shouldn't have gone off our site. And that's the clue. Oh. I am a big I am a big proponent of if you can find someone online, I've got friends that have met their husbands and, and boyfriends online and it's Valentine's Day. It's fun. But just beware that you may not be seeing the person that you think that you're looking at. You know, that could be a false profile and they do it a lot and then they pull them off and the other thing i found out is that they find out who's new to the websites how they do this i have no idea but they're looking for widows Mm -hmm. they're looking for recently divorced men and women yeah and they're looking which i didn't know that you don't put that on there and i also put probably that i owned a company you know i got into Mm -hmm. how i owned a company Mm -hmm. those are things that scammers are looking for in a heartbeat Right. Well, you know, um, I looked at the Federal Trade Commission, which you cite on your website, and and they most reported frauds that they have are weight loss products, prize promotions, unauthorized billing for buyers clubs, or internet services and work at home. Now that's that's just good information. But the mm-hmm. fraud in the dating is so prevalent that uh, you yeah they need to read your book because you do in chapter ten you highlight some real uh, flags for women that are thinking of going this route we're not saying don't ever do this but it's like anything you have to learn the rules of the game to kind of know when you're being courted for scamming and and most of us don't know the rules of the game you know my girlfriend just threw me into online dating and this was six years ago they said or five years ago they said just Uh do it just do it um Mm -hmm. and i inherently trust people for me to be to be 
taken like that just ripped the trust right out of me, and I hate that. I, I, I was... I, I still am a giving person, but I'm so much more skeptical of mm-hmm. anything. And mm-hmm. it's not just online dating. It's in business. I can't tell you how many scamming emails I get to my company oh. yes. every day. Every yes. day. And yeah. they look so real. I mean, even down to the IRS. Well, the IRS doesn't send you emails. You know? <laughs> but I had to send it to my accountant saying, hey, is this real? He goes, the IRS never sends you an email. Um, yeah. So that's always these, a good thing to know. Go ask is. somebody else. Go take Absolutely. that document and say, is this real or not? And don't click on a link, even if it looks like it's coming from your father. You know, if my mm-hmm. dad sends me stuff, I don't even open them up anymore. Like, pop, those are viruses or those are scammers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You have to be, look very carefully at the, at the address that comes in on, you know, it, like the IRS would be the IRS.gov. Things mm-hmm. that come online could be IRS.com, IRS.net, IRS.ca. Um, you know, any of those, they're, you've got to be so careful, so very careful, because mm-hmm. these guys are master manipulators. And when I went to the FBI, here's the most amazing thing about my story, besides the confession, was that I had written everything down. I kept it in an online journal, so every text, message, everything that I had from Eric, I had copied and pasted into an online journal thinking I was creating my family history. Well, I printed those out. I have five volumes, over 4,000 pages of our dialogues. And wow. Together with all the bank records, I went to the to the FBI, and yeah. they, they dropped their keys. They'd never seen that kind of documentation. Well, no. <laughs> they said, Deb, if he's not here in the United States, we can't do anything for you. Nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I died. At that point, again, I just I just shut down. I did not want to talk. I did not want to. I was so ashamed of what I'd done. Mm-hmm. Felt so stupid that here an educated, trained, trained in the Air Force, trained in the legal business, trained in the banking business that I was mm-hmm. taken so badly. Um, but they said, look, you were a victim to this. I'm like, I don't want to be a victim. He said, no, <laughs> these guys are master manipulators, and we can't shut them down because they are worldwide. So the wow. only thing you can do is get people to understand that they've got to be careful when they're dealing mm-hmm. with dating or any kind of business thing, um, any email you get. Be very careful about clicking on it or opening it up or you mm-hmm. know, responding back. The big scam nowadays is grandmas are getting phone calls. Grandma, oh, yes. I'm in jail. Send me money. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a friend whose mom was taken that way, and when she called her daughter to say, hey, I just heard from Johnny, and mm-hmm. he's in jail, and so I sent money, and her daughter's going crazy. She says, Mom, he's sitting right beside me. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but again, they're um, so... Yeah, so that's crazy. another... That's Yes, my mother was scammed for over 20 years. And yeah. when I actually went to the bank, I went to um, the cable company here, I did all the investigation that we found, and I had to cut off all of her long-distance calling because it was coming from the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. And um, that helped to solve the problem. But the story that I found was that it wasn't just my mom. It was a lot of older parents. It's huge in older parents that they're lonely. And so this phone call that comes in every day is like an anchor. It's a, you know, it's a way for them to connect to the outside world. So um, it 
it hap- it is big. But I'm wondering, Debbie, how long did it take for you? Because you have done such a great job in writing this book, in getting the website up, in really taking on this, you call it a mission, but it's it's really so big for all of us to read this book. How long did it take you to make that transition through the grief process? Because that was pretty big grief you had to go through. Yeah, it was. Um, I I actually didn't find the courage to do the book uh, until about a year and a half ago. I was at a women's speaking conference, and I was going in to talk about my company, and everybody kept saying, you got to find the passion in it. Where's your passion? I'm going, that company was Lou's passion. It wasn't mine. It was thrown in my lap. I had to run it. I said, and so at lunch, some one of my girlfriends had mentioned she was getting into online dating, and I just rolled my eyes. She says, what's that about? So I told her my story, and she said, you have got to tell your story because yeah. it's happening to so many people and mm-hmm. everybody's like you. They don't want to talk about it. So at that point, within the next two days, I started to develop, you know, a little talk. How do I, how do I tell this story? Mm-hmm. And I would, I would look at the girls that I was giving the talk to, probably a room of 30 people, and everybody's mm-hmm. bobbing their heads up and down. They were so into what I was saying. And yeah. They said, Deb, this is a movement. There are so many women and men in Palm Beach County. I mm-hmm. live down in Palm Beach County, Florida. More men get scammed for over a million dollars in Palm Beach County than women. So it's really? not just a woman. Yes, yes, because you can think, of it, think about it. You've got men have more money. eligible men, have a lot of mm-hmm. money, and they're mm-hmm. seeing beautiful women. They're, mm-hmm. These girls are engaging with their hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, could be could be the same guy I had a thing with, you know, who knows. <laughs> but... We just want our, our hearts to rule our heads, yeah. and and I I understand that. And but part of me just now says you got to speak up. You know, mm-hmm. the God's given you the, this opportunity is what I call it—an right. opportunity for right. growth. No matter how horrible it was, you mm-hmm. need to. I I forgave not to for not necessarily to help him out. I forgave him so that I could move forward. Right. And I knew holding it inside of me, I was never going to be able to move forward. So once mm-hmm. I did that and, and recognized that, okay, it was a mistake and he took advantage of you, I got a little bit mad. I'm like, I'm not going to let that happen to anybody else. And I can't fix this, but if I can help one person become aware of what's happening and either disengage from what they're doing or not get into it in the first place, then that's mm-hmm. my goal. Um, but right. I also my mission is to, I, you know, I wrote the book because I, as in the beginning, I said I felt like Jane Jetson, where when we were kids, she would put that mask <laughs> up and kind of talk to what it was their, their version of Skype. And I'm thinking, yeah. how many of us put up that mask of wanting to be perfect? I know I did. Oh, I oh yes. The perfect mother, yeah. the perfect wife, the perfect daughter. And mm-hmm. the perfect friend. I wanted the perfect family. I didn't want anybody to know we were having problems, you know. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's such a disservice to the sister sitting beside us because mm-hmm. she might be going through that same, one, one of those things you've been through. And if you don't speak up, you're not helping her mm-hmm. out. Right. And that's my movement. My movement is to speak up and to not air your issues, but right. talk genuinely about things that have happened to us because we're not on this planet to be by ourselves. We're on this right. planet to help yeah. one another. And right, and we need hurt. it more now than ever before oh, because so we do, our, our lives are touched by so many different ways. 
Exactly. And those and signs. Yeah, I love the I way you the, said this. Well, yeah. for the first time in my life, I feel like it's time to take off the mask and become the authentic woman that I really am. Yes, I'm strong mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually most of the time. But so often I put on the happy face and the words, I'm fine, come flying out of my mouth as if rehearsed on a daily basis. I'm fine because I want to be fine, fulfilled, inspired, naturally beautiful and exceptional. And I want to be fine because everyone else wants me to be fine. Beautiful. I want to read your book just because if it all sounds like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all of us. We want to. I remember working in the bank and I would, you know, over the counter, I would talk to one of my customers. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, I know. Either that or they would tell me their whole life story. And I'm like, okay, are you really fine now? (laughs) Um, But that's that's what we say. It just basically, it it just says, I'm fine. Leave me alone. I'm doing my own thing now. But. I, I realize when I when I sit and talk with someone and they say that I says okay so how are you really what, yeah. what's going on because you can see it in their eyes yeah you can see they're hiding something and maybe they don't want to talk tell you right now but you just have to say I'm here when the mm-hmm. time comes I'm here to talk well you so, have a great resource on your website that I'd like for you to tell them about they can go there and download it. Um, so you want to tell them about your stand up? Exactly. That, that, that's kind of my motto now, to stand up. And actually, while we're talking, I'm standing up because I just feel your energy is so much greater when you're standing up. And Agreed. I use that acronym, stand up, to mean certain things. And in, this was in the case of the online dating scam where the S meant seek an authority, seek to talk to someone. In my case, it was fraud. I went to the FBI. Uh, if it's someone has hurt you, you go to, you know, the police. You have to seek out someone that, that can help you in some sort of way. The T mm. is for talk. Talk to a family member. Talk to a trusted friend. For so long, I didn't want to talk about what was going on because I was so vulnerable, so ashamed. Right. The people I talked to were my mom and dad because I had drawn them into it. And bless their hearts, they came, they came over the day after Lou died, so they got me through that. They came over the day after this happened, and they went to the FBI with me. And they, I could open up to them because at that point they knew everything. And so my heart mm-hmm. was open to them, but I had to talk it out to them. Um, I had to acknowledge to myself that it happened. And the hardest thing is to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. I could forgive Eric. I could forgive whoever took took advantage of me. But even today, I think part of me has not quite forgiven me of what I've done. Um, but I, I acknowledged think, it. But I that, agree. I think the hardest person to forgive is yourself. It is. Really? Mm-hmm. It is. And uh, and I mean, I had to I had to tell my kids that I was sorry, and that was the hardest thing because they just came jumping down on me. But um, I realized at that point it was because I had not trusted them enough to have them involved in what I was doing. I didn't listen to them. And I had to acknowledge that I didn't listen to them. And I had to tell them I was sorry. Um, right. The next thing for me in stand-up is the N. And, and for me, that was make it noteworthy. Write it down. If I hadn't have kept a journal for those two years, 
I wouldn't have had the story. I wouldn't have had anything to remember because, I mean, I can hardly remember if I ate breakfast yesterday. So <laughs> there's no way I could have remembered two years of what had happened with Eric and, and his family. And yeah. so write it down. There's something very um, therapeutic about writing things down, too. And from one of my girlfriend's husband is a therapist, and she said, you know, he could have done this work for you a lot cheaper than what you did it for with Eric. But I had to, at least I wrote it down, and it made me feel good. And then D is deal with it. Move on to a better place mentally, financially, emotionally, spiritually. Deal with what happened and move forward. You can't get stuck. You can't stay where you are. There's, you know, there's no movement in sitting on the fence. You're either going backwards or you're going, you're going forwards. And I didn't want to be that victim. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to get victorious out of this somehow. I wanted to just move forward. So I had to deal with it. And uh, for me, it was acknowledging what happened, talking to my parents, going to the bank, finding out they couldn't do anything, going to the FBI, finding out they couldn't do anything, and then coming to grips with. I can do something. Maybe they can't do something mm-hmm. for me, but I can do something now. Brings me to the you and stand up. Be unstoppable. Uncover mm-hmm. yourself, your divine self, and uplift another. I have found so many times that by, by going out and visiting a friend that she might have problems that far surpass mine. And I come mm-hmm. home thinking, I really like my problems, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Mine aren't so bad after all. (laughs) Exactly. My issues are not comparable to other people's. Mm -hmm. And I'm very grateful for some of the problems that I have because they're they're not insurmountable. Um, But, you know, I learned to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I learned to challenge myself, to push Mm -hmm. myself. And that was really important. But the the P is my favorite because for me that means Power, power, power. And I stand up and I just, I went to a Marshall Silver thing one time and he, before we ate fire, we had to go power, power, power. And whenever I get up and talk, I think to myself, power, power, power. You have to jump. You have, for me, I grabbed a parachute with my daughter and we jumped out of an airplane. I, <laughs> I saw that. Skydiving for me. It's yeah, on my, the website. One of my I friends, saw it. One of my friends is a pilot. He goes, why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? I'm like, uh, because it was there and I wanted to. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think those are important moments that we all need to, the ones that just make us shake inside. It's like saying, and it's looking, it's getting through it and looking on the other side and going, oh, I did that. And I was so scared, but I did that. Wow, that was easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jumping out of a plane, it was cool. Um, Now, bungee jumping, I'm not quite there yet. I don't know that I could do that, but... um, (laughs) I love the acronym FEAR. One of my friends says FEAR is false expectations appearing real. Yes. And it is yes. true. Once you get I like, something- I, one thing I like to look at as I've gone through my years and my experiences, and mine are all unique to me as they are unique to you and how we interpret them in our lives. But I found that there's so much growth that comes out of Situations that we look at that we think are just horrible. How are we going to how are we going to make it through this? And then there's always on the other side there's a story of how you can twist it and use it and and share it and make it into a win instead of a horrible thing. And so you've done exactly that, Debbie. You've made this into win because now you're helping not only you 
but you've, you're helping hundreds and thousands of women and men that experience this whole new world that we are living in now, which is interacting with the world. And we're not really prepared for it, but it's here. It's and it, here. What a tool and, you've given us. Well, my, my worry now is not just for the women and men over 50. It's for our kids. I look at these young teenage girls, especially where their lives are on the Internet with Instagram and Twitter and and all Mm. these things, and their Mm -hmm. phones track them. And I'm so worried that if someone wants to get you, if if someone wants to to hurt your child, it's not going to be very difficult to do that because they know exactly where they are and when they're there and what they look like because the kids are putting their lives online. Right. as a parent, I've shut my boys down a couple of times, and they're in their late 20s. I'm like, you guys, get some of those pictures off your page because, you know, employers are looking at them and, and other people are looking. But I worry about the security of our, our personal security of our, of our kids. Yeah. Um, right. It's just too easy yeah. for the bad guys to get us. And I, I, mm. I don't want to look at the world, world negatively, but I want right. people to, to understand that you've got to take care of your personal security. And yeah. you have to be careful that you're talking to the person you think you're talking to or You them, brought up them. an important thing earlier was that the dating sites are not the only place that people take us to. Like they told you, don't leave the dating site. Well, mm-hmm. I find more more people are searching on Facebook for I get notices all the time that people that want to chat or mm-hmm. become chatting partners and you should always investigate and do your own research before you say yes to any person that wants may may it be male or female that wants to be your friend you need to do exactly. some research exactly you know? and just because they happen to have a mutual friend that's yours yeah. I I did that one time where a friend a, a, gentleman showed up and he looked like he appeared to be friends with several of my business partners right. and so I just clicked accept and then within a minute one of my girlfriends wrote says don't accept that he's a scammer <laughs> and I went and I unfriended really quickly so now I don't if I don't know them it's not just men because obviously women you know it could be a man with a woman's picture <laughs> um, right. I don't typically accept anybody unless I have seen them in person or that I know that they're a reputable a part of a reputable organization I belong to um <laughs> Especially, and watch out. I mean, I'm a military, a former military officer. Be careful yes. of the guys that say they're in the military and they don't show you any pictures and they don't talk about the units that they worked with because okay. they are fake. And that really okay. irritates me because mm. they are fake. LinkedIn, I'm, a, I'm on LinkedIn with my company, and I can't mm. tell you how many retired Army generals have tried to contact me. And the oh. guys are fake. They're fake. Yeah. Well, this this is kind of a funny story, Demi. I was at a workshop with a friend. It was a fairly small workshop. But I got a call from one of these guys, and he'd been trying. And I was commenting. We were having lunch, and I was sitting there with another woman from my area. And I said, this guy is just unbelievable. And I sort of was talking a little bit about him, and she said, oh, does he look like this? (laughs) It was the same picture. Oh, no. I'm telling you, they take someone else's picture and put it up as their own. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, what's next for you, Debbie? 
uh, I know you're speaking more about this and, of course, doing your radio shows whenever you have the opportunity. So um, are you, what are you planning to do with this next? Do you have a next move? Because you well, just announced your book, didn't you? The book came out in October, and okay. uh, I, I was spoke on a cruise, and that kind of launched it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get the word out now, and it's, I'm doing yeah. some book signings, and it's just amazing. I'm, I'm meeting one person here, one person there, and then <laughs> connecting with people around the country. And yeah. uh, I, just, I just want people to start talking about it and, and oh. realize they've got to be careful. They've got to stand up for yourself, stand up in your own power is the way I put it. Um, and so I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how at 58, I guess, I'm taking a different path now, and I've, I've got to keep my company going. Because uh, right. that's Lou's legacy. But mm-hmm. I found my passion in speaking with women about a whole variety of issues. This online dating thing is just kind of a catch. It's mm-hmm. a hook that's unusual. But mm-hmm. I just want women in general to to take take their own power back. You know, be those divine right. women that they are, and and do something for good. You know, right. it could be that random yeah. act of kindness today. Do something for good, because I'm right. finding that the the split between good and evil is really yeah. going to be huge, and and I want to be on the side of good, and I I want yeah. I know so many women have just great hearts, and well, uh, I want us know, to be who we, who we can be. I'm sorry, Debbie, we're really quickly approaching the end of the hour. It passes so fast, but I appreciate mm-hmm. that you've been on here today. And the most important thing I can ask the listeners today is when you get this, I'd like for you to share it. Share it with your your group so that they know the um, evils that are out there and how we can protect ourselves. Not so much know that there's evil, but that we can protect ourselves. So I thank you very much, each one of you out there listening today. This has been a very important and enjoyable radio today. I know it's been for me. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks, Joyce. Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at 